Hello and welcome to the Foxhole, a full battle rider podcast, the show that brings you the real time, on the ground troop perspectives, and latest information. I'm your host, Chief One Officer Taj Keeler. Now, let's log in on. Our guest today is CSM Iskandari, the 166 Regional Support Group Command Sergeant Major. Today, we're going to discuss what does it mean to empower leaders and his leadership philosophy. Welcome, CSM. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, Chief Keeler. Thanks for inviting me. You're a hard person to get in contact with. That's because I'm a busy man. I appreciate that. And um, going into it further, you are busy because the promotion rates are rising for our junior um, NCOs. It's been a really remarkable to see, especially within a two-year time frame, that your numbers are over 100, 100 if I'm not mistaken. Over 100. We've uh, increased the number of NCOs throughout the RSG in the past two years. Wow, that's awesome because your 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 shift was to do boards at each battalion. Is that correct? That's correct. So we're rotating boards from the battalions with the RSG and maximizing the CSMs at each uh, at the battalion and uh, brigade level. Oh, that's nice. So doing that, the engagement between battalions and the communication has been improving. Also, the battalion CSMs are getting involved. That's a pretty awesome opportunity. It is, and what we've learned is that there are some things that we've had to overcome, such as um, consistency with MOIs and, and policy, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's given us an opportunity to, to fix some of that and make sure soldiers uh, have the, the right information mm-hmm. as they prepare their packets and prepare for that next level of promotion. Okay, so that makes sense. So even going into that, with the consistency, so this goes into our, our topics for today. Um, based on the progress you have made with the increasing of the junior enlisted promotions, what does it mean to empower leaders in your own words? Oh, so, well, empowerment. You know, um, I've had almost 30 years of uh, military experience. So um, I've looked at empowerment in a lot of different ways. What I've learned with empowerment, it's, basically mission command. It's given um, that ability to make decisions to soldiers mm-hmm. at every level okay. and entrusting them to make the right decision based off of what we've taught them, showing our confidence in that in their decisions and, and how they approach problems with, with solutions. I also believe that it, it's building leaders, um, our future leaders, uh, to be better leaders than they than than what we have today because each decision they make we can go back and and uh, reassess what how that uh, decision affected other things and know what what may have been a better um, decision in those and and give them better outcome and in the most part I think it's just showing trust in soldiers and that's one of the strengths of the American Army is that we empower soldiers um, at every level to make decisions. And, it, and, and if you want to look at some examples, you can look at um, recent uh, conflicts that we've been involved with, Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, we have small group um, groups, teams that are out there fighting and making decisions that in, in other armies, in, for example, the, the Russian army, mm-hmm. decisions that are being made at, you know, battalion level, officer level, that would have held them back and um, increased the number of uh, casualties that we, we have in some of these uh, conflicts. 
I think a, a good example right now is, you know, the Ukraine army after Russia invaded um, Crimea mm-hmm. or, or, or initially, many of uh, what, two or three years ago, mm-hmm. we went back and, and helped the Ukrainian army by uh, training some of their leaders on, on things like this, empowering of soldiers, decentralizing decisions, basically allowing them to make decisions on the fly it's shown in the effectiveness of the Ukraine military right now as they battle the Russian army and in, inflict mass casualties on the Russians mm-hmm. and making them reconsider whether this was a good idea. So I think the way we do things in the U.S. Army uh, by empowering soldiers is something that we need to continue to do and build leaders. And speaking of that, like when... Going a little bit further on what you're saying, it sounds like when you empower leaders, you build their confidence. Oh, absolutely. It's about confidence building because mm-hmm. we're, we're taking soldiers with a lot of different um, backgrounds um, that uh, uh, they may not have been a, um, a captain on the football team. Um, they may have been um, just a simple chess player on the chess team mm-hmm. and not even the captain of the chess team. And... Um, that it brings them out of their shell and makes them stronger. So when you bring them out the shell, uh, just want to look a little bit further. We're talking about empowering leaders, but when you empower leaders, we have to give them a leadership philosophy. And when we do a leadership philosophy, many leaders have multiple, uh, many different ways they lead. Some do the trust but verify situation. Some do, oh, I'm going to give you information from afar. I'm just going to let you do it. What are your thoughts on your leadership philosophy on what has worked for you? I believe in uh, trust but verify, but I also believe that you have to make sure you're giving all the, the resources and um, uh, to soldiers to, to lead. Um, when I talk about resources, I'm not talking about equipment. I'm talking about um, the knowledge, the training, and uh, the ability to make decisions. Mm-hmm. So. so even with that... It is hearing you speak on your leadership philosophy and your empowerment of, of leaders. Could you uh, give the audience some of your background? So my background, wow. How much? How long do we have for this podcast? I mean, we have we could luck. take all day. It's your world. Yeah. Uh, so I came into uh, about a year after high school. I, I, I had never intended on coming into the military. I was um, a son of a soldier and um, and. I got to travel around the world and the, the nation as a uh, as a dependent, seeing what my amount of time that my father spent away from us mm-hmm. uh, really made me not consider joining the military. But when uh, it came down to it, a year after uh, graduating from high school, I realized that uh, I needed money for college. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way I was going to get that money was if someone was going to give it to me. Who was going to give it to me? A friend of mine had uh, entered into the army and um, and contacted me and said, "Hey, I'm graduating from uh, the infantry school, and um, I got a huge uh, Montgomery GI Bill that's going to help me pay for uh, college after I get out and and everything else. And it's it's been a great experience. And this is a guy I went to high school who had mm-hmm. the same philosophy when we finished high school because we were both dependents. Right." And so um, I I, uh, I went to the recruiter shortly after I got back from watching him graduate and uh, signed up for 19 Delta Cav, and uh, I entered active duty. My first duty station was in Germany, 
during that time, I got to watch the Berlin Wall come down and the Soviet Union uh, crumble. Um, I uh, served in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Um, from there, after Desert Storm, Desert Shield, um, you know, I was involuntarily extended uh, for some time. But after, after uh, they allowed me to, to get out, I, um, I got out. And uh, about a year later, I realized, you know, I missed that camaraderie. And I missed the, uh, the soldiering. I missed uh, training. So what, you got out? I got out. I've never of known active, that. I got out of active duty and um, realized it was something that maybe I made the, the wrong decision, but I wasn't prepared to go back to active duty because I still wanted to finish college. Okay. So uh, I, I uh, decided to join the Army Reserves, and the closest thing I could find to a combat MOS in the Army Reserves was becoming an MP. So I became an MP, class for that, and um, my first duty station as an MP was as a drill sergeant, hmm. as an E-5 drill sergeant for MPs. Um, I spent time in um, Fort McCullen, Alabama. So I, I, I did drill sergeant for a little while. I got out again um, um, because I was getting married and I was starting a family and I, I didn't feel it fit into my uh, plan. Um, so I got out for about five years and I came back in in 2000. I've been in ever since. Mm -hmm. Now, each time I made that decision, uh, um, it, there was there was grounds for it, and I knew that it wasn't that I didn't love what I did. It was more of that it wasn't right at that time. Okay. So sometimes soldiers make those decisions, and we have to accept that. Um, and so that's how I look at that. So can you say that one more time? Because that's actually really, really good. Because a lot of soldiers uh, do get out, but it's, it's a reason. Right. I mean, you know, I try to have conversations with, with soldiers that are looking to get out. To make sure that um, what they're that they're basing off the the right um, mindset when they're making that decision, and that they have the bigger picture in, in mind. But I also understand that um, that sometimes it has to happen to refresh us, to um, to allow us to improve our personal lives, our, yes. our civilian careers, our uh, completing college, and things like that. That are kind of challenging as a TPU soldier, um, especially if you're truly engaged. And a truly engaged TPU soldier is out there um, wanting to participate in every training event they can. Mm -hmm. Well, that sometimes um, can be have its effect on family. It can have its effect on, uh, on your ability to complete school. Um, so, yes, I, I do feel that sometimes you need a break. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully... Uh, you, you come back to it and, and not put it behind you because uh, the value that, that's gained from being a soldier um, and serving this country is, is something I, I will never regret. Mm -hmm. So um, so after I, I finished, um, when I came back in in 2000, um, I was refreshed. Mm -hmm. I was married. Mm -hmm. I had started my family. We we're getting ready to have our first child, and I went back to being a drill sergeant. And it was it was it was good times. Mm -hmm. And I I spent time every opportunity I could to challenge myself, taking positions that uh, were above what I was grade level for. Mm -hmm. um, uh, going out there doing the master fitness trainer course, you know, uh, competing in competitions and and um, and just enjoying being a soldier, um, and it helped. It helped me 
uh, uh, go through the ranks much quicker than the average soldier who may have uh, put less effort into it. Now, it's because I that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I can't say that everybody um, feels that way, but I love to train and I love to learn new things. So I was always looking for those opportunities mm-hmm. and being empowered to to take that next level of responsibility mm-hmm. because that's what I, I thrive on. More years as a drill sergeant and then I um, uh, I'd spent some time on active duty as a drill sergeant mm-hmm. at, at Fort Leonard Wood. Um, numerous times down in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, numerous times down in McClellan. And then um, when I became an E7, it's time for me to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I felt that I, my services would be better served doing other things. I uh, moved up to the 80th Training Command and became the PMO NCYC. Uh, got to travel the nation and um, visit units across, um, you know, in here in Puerto Rico, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I came back as a CSM. Enjoyed that, that aspect because I got to learn a lot about physical security, conventional physical security, anti-terrorism force protection, and and doing things like that. And um, it was, again, another one of those challenges and um, moves in my career. Mm-hmm. It did require a lot of my time. Um, at that time, I owned my own business, and um, which made it also very mm-hmm. Very challenging. But you, you was uh, you had your business for what twenty five years. I had my business for twenty five years. And you were a, a contractor, right? Yeah, you, construction. Uh-huh. Company. Yeah, um, I uh, did construction in the DC area and uh, mostly residential, high end um, uh, remodeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of employees working for me and contractors. Um, but after that uh, mobilization, it was challenging mm-hmm. um, because you know. I'd been gone for a, a few years, but I loved the military, mm-hmm. so I stuck with it. Hmm. Um, uh, but the, the the value that I gained from all that time um, also eventually um, provided me with an out to my construction company mm-hmm. when things started to fall in the um, during the recession. Right, um, and it, I was able to find a job fairly easily. But um, that's partly because of the time I spent as a PMO NCIC. Um, I got to, to learn things that I was able to utilize in the civilian sector and make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, when I got into that civilian sector, it was because of a former commander I worked for as PMO NCOIC. He, uh, he introduced me to um, a, a company that was looking for someone. And that's in turn led me into the federal government on the civilian side and having a, a good job there working for FEMA. From being the PMO NCIC, I was the first sergeant for the 94th uh, Division um, headquarters. Very challenging Mm -hmm. working with senior level um, personnel trying to get them to do uh, what needs to be done, you know. It's always hard for an E8 to tell a uh, lieutenant colonels and above, you Mm -hmm. know, you need to get your medical readiness done, sir, ma'am. So. Uh, that that was that was a challenge, and I learned a lot then dealing with personalities and egos and and um, general learning how to cope with disappointment because mm. it didn't always go my way. Okay, um, but uh, uh, from there I I, I became a um, I, I made CSM um, shortly after that and um, I took over an instructional um, battalion in. Um, 
Aberdeen, Maryland. That was an, another experience. Small number of soldiers in the battalion, but um, a lot of responsibility and um, and getting to understand the, uh, the instructional world um, a little bit better than what I knew, because I knew it as the instructor, the drill sergeant. Um, now I'm, I'm learning how the management aspect of it. Um, from there, I, uh, I, I got to go back to operational world, and I had the 649th Regional Support Group in mm -hmm. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a great experience for me because uh, we were tasked with uh, standing up the Fort McCoy MFGI, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and that was an active mission for us. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time um, down there doing that, and um, and then. From there, I I've, uh, I came down here about two years ago uh, to the 166, and I've been here since. I'm closing out my tenure. I have less than a year left, and I'm hoping to make the best of this year. So, seriously, when we're going to talk about the gaffe that you put on, where you had the ruck march, the very first part, and you had like six large heels in the beginning. Are we gonna? Are we just not going to talk about that? <laughs> Do you want to talk about that one, or you want to talk about all the gappies that uh, that uh, I've I've managed? But that was a challenging one. That was mm -hmm. definitely one of the most challenging um, gap gappies I I ever uh, participated in. You know, um, I am a big supporter of uh, of soldier centric initiatives, and this was an opportunity for soldiers to get out there and get some bling for their uniform, mm -hmm. um, and 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 get some pride, some esprit de corps, because um, it's amazing. Uh, the GAF B is individual, but the camaraderie that's created in an event like that is amazing. So the one that you're talking about is, I think that's when you and I met. Exactly. I was, it's, it's interesting how the the army is really small. I was sitting in the back, the very back, and uh, when you were first introduced, you came in. Um, you addressed the. Uh, we was in a. It was in an older kind of a large building that we was in, and then you addressed the crowd. And I never thought that within, what, three to four years that now we'll be really working together at the 166RSG based off from the GAFB. I think that's awesome. And that's what one of the beauty thing, beautiful things about the Army is that you just never know where you're going to be, who you're going to be working with, and to build those relationships and to, of course, go out and support training events because you never know who you will meet. Yeah, and you, you hit it spot on. And it's also great that you and I have the same mindset in that training and and giving soldiers opportunities to excel are, are what we're all about. And you were out there leading from the front, performing in a gap B. You know, at our age, it's not easy doing those tasks. I don't like to say our age. I like to say experience, oh, you know, okay. seasoned veterans, things of those natures that, you know, it just adds a little bit more clarity because when we say that type of thing, people may think they take us, and that can't happen. No, no, you're right. And at at, um, at 21, mm -hmm. you know, uh, no one should be able to take me on, right? Absolutely, but we got to keep it that way. Right. So that's why I continue to take those challenges when we do the gap B. Absolutely. And I look forward to the next one mm -hmm. and the one after that. It's gonna be good times. But leading into this, the audience had a chance to get to know you. Unfortunate but fortunate thing about Army Reserves is that for you, you were responsible for over 2,000 plus soldiers. And majority of soldiers may never even get a chance to have conversations like this with you. When they see you they in a the room, they yell at ease. You know, most likely they'll go the other way. They'll try to stay away from you. 
But the experience that you have as a CSM and the amount of knowledge, even going back to your decision on choosing to get out the military based off of a, a choice that you made, which you thought was best. But a lot of soldiers don't get a chance to get that type of mentorship to say that, hey, maybe it is OK for you to get out. But what's your plan if you decide to come back in? Um, but we see that getting out is uh, oh, necessarily, not necessarily a bad thing, but the Army doesn't like that. But going further you sharing your experience and your knowledge that you have been through majority of it all. So if, if the goal is to lighten the path of easier decisions, better decisions, or maybe just giving soldiers a different perspective. So with that being said, what is the, the main thing that you would like to, to leave with soldiers and not just enlisted, but also for officers because your experience is so vast. What, is, what would be one of those things that you would like to leave with us? So I'm going to start out with something because you brought up a good point. Today, you know, uh, um, I heard a heard something from Colonel Promotable Caceres mm -hmm. where he said, "Good news is bad news, and bad news is good news." And I like I kind I kind of really hit me because in reality, when you look at a soldier getting out of the military, you look at it as bad news. Mm -hmm. They 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 made a bad decision, mm -hmm. but it might be good news in that. It's helping them to uh, recoup and re-energize for the next fight, either whether it's in the military or not. Mm -hmm. It might be uh, um, completing school, whatever it is. It, it's, um, we're giving them the opportunity to make that decision. And um, just like uh, if you let a, a bird fly away, mm -hmm. it'll come back to you if it's meant to be. So. I like that phrase this morning. Um, I look at it as bad news, but it's good news. It's bad news for me, mm -hmm. but it's good news in the bigger scheme of things, and we hope that that, um, that bird will fly back to us. So what do I want to share with the, with the soldiers um, and officers that I, I get to serve with? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things I'd like to, to uh, share with them. I think that we have to give the right message. We have to be approachable. You know, you mentioned that soldiers um, probably avoid me when I come into the room because they've had bad experiences with CSM and CSMs in the past. And I can't see, uh, say uh, I probably haven't uh, done my fair share of yelling, especially as a drill sergeant, mm -hmm. but I, 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 I try to make myself approachable and give soldiers an opportunity to, to share with me their concerns, their, their ideas, and, um, and work with them. And I think that we as leaders need to make sure that we're, we're there for soldiers, and that, that means being approachable, that means listening to what they, they have to say, whether it's something that we like or not. Mm -hmm. um, it would be hard for me to leave right now. It's going to be hard when I have to leave the 166 because the soldiers here are some of the most awesome soldiers I've ever um, had the opportunity of serving with. Mm -hmm. They truly love being soldiers. Mm -hmm. They get out there and train. They take every opportunity that you have created for them because I love all of your mission sets, by the way. I mean, you have, you have, your creativity in, in making uh, opportunities for them to get outside of their reserve centers has been awesome, which is one of those things that we need to, that I want to share with officers and soldiers mm -hmm. at all levels, 
that that's what we need to do. We need to get out of reserve centers. That's that's what keeps soldiers happy because soldiers didn't come in and sign um, a contract to sit in a reserve center and watch PowerPoint presentations. Mm -hmm. They came in to get out and, and do fun stuff. The PowerPoint presentation wasn't on the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They want to be out there doing, um, touching equipment that they can't touch on the outside. Mm -hmm. So um, I think things that, that people like you are doing, creating opportunities for them is, is awesome. And we need to keep on doing that and not look for the easy no, look for the hard yes. If, if a um, command team wants to uh, do something that is dynamic and exciting for soldiers, then we gotta find ways to make it happen. And so that's that's what I would say. Um, and trust your soldiers because they know what they're doing. That's actually a, a good way to end it. Trust your soldiers because they know what they're doing. You can have a better awesome ending than that. And it's always about teamwork. You know, trust work both ways. And then when you build that, the sky's the limit on what you can do together as a company which builds every other level, the battalion, the brigades, the division, just by a simple thing of trust and building that teamwork. So, CSM, thank you again for taking out time to come down and speak with me. Uh, um, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your your guidance and your mentorship, um, and I appreciate our relationship that we can go out for runs and do the Army 10-miler, which I'm hoping that we get more participants this year to come out and experience it um, Although we plan to go to win, but we also are working on ways to incorporate other team members that want to participate and just improve their times. So this year, I know we're looking at a different approach to build these teams to for different structures to be able to compete. And when I say compete, not compete for actual trophy, but for compete for themselves to better themselves. So we look forward to that. We'll hear more about this and we'll do another podcast uh, episode on the Bravehearts, the 166 RSG running team. That sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And, I, and um, one last message mm -hmm. to you and everybody that's out there taking the time to listen to this is create opportunities and make things happen. Let's keep moving forward and advancing um, as soldiers and leaders. Outstanding. Logging on.